Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. So welcome uh, to this show. It is the second of this kind that we have done this year. Uh, it is, I've lost track of how many of these we have actually done. A long, long time ago, it occurred to me that there's a whole group of people who participate in the political system but don't get on the radio very much, don't have many of the opportunities that, that are just handed out without even thinking about it to candidates from major parties. Uh, they are uh, people who run as petitioning candidates or people who run from minor parties. I think that's what the law are, non-major parties. The Connecticut law has some charming uh, name for, for, the, for that. So what we do, uh, as much as we can anyway, and we're doing it twice in this election season, is bring a few of them in here. Uh, unfortunately, way back at the beginning, we came up with a name for this feature. It's called Get to Know Your Fringe Candidates. Uh, the candidates never liked that very much. Unfortunately, we've got this whole bank of songs that we have to use that have that in there, so there's just no getting away from it. Uh, they certainly uh, are, in, in many ways, very important and vital parts of the public discourse, and that's why they're here. So let me tell you who is here in the studio. Richard Lyon uh, is a libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate in the 5th District. Uh, no, from US, for the, are you in the 5th District, or are you running for the whole US, state? The whole there. state, yeah, that can't be right. Uh, a libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate. He's running against the Democratic incumbent, Chris Murphy, and the Republican challenger, Matthew Corey. Uh, Tom McCormick, a Green Party candidate for U.S. Representative in the 1st District. Therefore, he's running against the incumbent, John Larson, and the Republican challenger, Jennifer Nye. Uh, also here, Linda Louise Lacasse, a petitioning candidate for state representative in District 52 in Summers and Stafford Springs. She's running against the Republican incumbent, Kurt Vail, and Democratic challenger, David Walsh. And in just a second, and you'll also meet Giselle Jacobs, a petitioning candidate for the state representative uh, in District 7 in Hartford, uh, running against the Democratic incumbent, Joshua Hall. There's no Republican contender there. So Giselle J Jacobs is essentially the alternative in that race. All right. So let's get started here. I think what I'm going to have you guys do just sort of at the beginning, I mean, you have like a whole 49 minutes to talk and talk among yourselves, uh, but I'm going to have you each kind of give us kind of a, like the one-minute uh, elevator pitch. I'm going to start with you, uh, Tom McCormick. Uh, one minute, we're going up in an elevator. What do I need to know about you so that I know why I should vote for you? Well, because I stand for just about everything John Larson doesn't. I stand for no new spending on nuclear weapons and their delivery systems like the $8 billion submarine launch sub Columbia class being built at Electric Boat. I say freeze the F-35 program, which are now all grounded due to an engine defect, and there's been a whole series of fires grounding those aircraft. I say return the $21 billion that the Pentagon say are going to be scrapped for parts back to Lockheed for a refund. John Larson says build more and thanks Lockheed and UTC for his checks. I basically want to go after the debt in a very serious manner. We need, in times of economic growth, you pay off your debt, and that's not what is happening. We have $20 trillion in climbing interest payments on that debt, 8%, and we face a debt bomb as interest rates go up. So I basically want to go after the debt, go after wasteful military spending, want to push renewable energy, not natural gas like John Larson. He had T-Bone Pitkins up to, to Connecticut to push national gas, and, of course, he took a check 
well, we might, I call it a bribe, others call it a campaign contribution. So I'm for basically everything that people are telling me they're for. All right, we got it. All right, Richard Lyon, you got well, a 60 second ele elevator I, pitch. I've uh, actually lost count on how many times I've run for office. It's between 10 and 12. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out, and I was actually kept off the ballot like three or four times for not getting enough signatures. So, um, the first time I ran for office was I ran for mayor of Hartford back in the year 2001. I said, if I'm elected, I'm going to legalize marijuana, and Hartford's going to make an enormous amount of money. <laughs> and at that time, people were shocked that I said that. And they, they just actually, their heads exploded. Um, and I was pretty much laughed at. But uh, Colorado proved me right. However, the amount of money we would have made would have dwarfed what Colorado has made because of our close proximity to New York City. Uh, Hartford could have bailed out Connecticut rather than Connecticut bailing out Hartford. Um, I'm a veteran, but yeah, I'm a strong supporter of cutting military spending. Um, I say in my, my website to cut it by 75% over four years. Um, not, not just cut quick, but but wind it down and get rid of most of our um, uh, projects that All are. Right. The so the elevator's gone to the top. Great pitch. Okay. All right. So, uh, Linda Louise Lacasse, you're next. A 60-second yes. elevator pitch. Oh, thank you. Uh, yes, Linda Louise has been running for this office. This is my third campaign. And my biggest concern is the $80 billion of unfunded pension liabilities Nobody knows what binding arbitration is or what collective bargaining is. It's about time the people who are paying for these pensions know what that means. My uh, Democratic opponent makes uh, approximately $103,000 in his retirement pension year after year after year, and if, when he passes, it will pass on to his wife with the best health care money can buy. People need to know what we're spending our money on, not to mention... 48,000-plus are getting uh, retirement benefits, and I don't begrudge these people, but we need to uh, rethink how we make things happen. JFK and um, federal uh, FDR said that the pension system with public sector pensions and uh, unions is going to be the death of our nation, and certainly Connecticut is witnessing that as we as we can witness that. All right, we're at the top of the building. Thank top you. Of the building elevator door is opening. We're getting off. So uh, Giselle Jacobs has just arrived after being stuck in a little bit of traffic, uh, and I've already explained who you are. So let's uh, try this: a sixty-second elevator pitch. You and I are in an elevator. You're going to tell me uh, why I need to vote for you. Hello, everyone. My name is Giselle uh, Gigi Jacobs, and you should vote for me because I am the most ideal, most ideal citizen in the North and the Hartford to represent the 7th District of Hartford. Born and raised, lifelong, um, uh, doesn't consider myself a politician. I'm a public servant. I serve my country. I now want to serve my community. Actually, I've already served in my community. I've serve my community because um, well, I just, believe in the people. Let me I just believe give, in the people. Give, give, me, give, me, give me your big issues. you got some issues like the schools. Real quick, give me the schools. Yeah. Well, the schools, um, myself and other parents in my community feel as though our schools are failing our children. Mm. Um, you know, I knock on doors every day. I talk to parents. One of our biggest concerns, our children are coming home every day without school books. Why doesn't our children have school books? Um, our children are being sent home for school for mediocre, 
you know, um, situations that at one time, you know, you may have gotten a, a, a time out, but to get sent home from school, suspended from school. My son currently attends Hartford Public High School, the same school I graduated from in the early 80s. And um, I've had several conversations with, you know, the principal and the assistant principal as it relates to when are we going to have a PTO meeting? Can we just at least schedule a PTO meeting? Can all parents right. get involved? We've got it. That's the 60-second elevator pitch for all of you. So I want to just have all of you talk a little bit about this, the sheer difficulty of what you're doing. Um, two of you are at least uh, on ballot lines with established parties. Uh, two of you have had to fight your way onto the ballot uh, by collecting signatures. Um, so let's start with uh, with one of the people from uh, an established party. Um, so Richard Lyon, just talk about what did it take for you to get on the ballot as a libertarian candidate, and why did you pick that route? Well, um, it's easier actually as a libertarian than as a petitioning candidate because you don't have to petition every right. year. Um, but it's still a challenge. Um, like I said, I was kept off the ballot um, like three or four times, once because I was short by one signature. When we mm -hmm. collect signatures, you have to collect about twice what they tell you. And then they count them up and they, they disqualify signatures. Even if it's bad handwriting, they say, well, that don't count. Mm -hmm. And I, I missed once for a state rep in Hartford when I still lived in Hartford. Uh, by one signature, I think it was one or two, mm -hmm. something like that, something ridiculous. So that can be pretty brutal. It is, and, and you, now, to get to do the libertarian thing, did you have to go to a convention? Did you have to meet anybody else out? Yeah, or what, yeah, yeah, I've been involved with the party a long time. In fact, most of the times I ran, other than once, that was as a libertarian. I I've been in the party since the year two thousand. I served as chair for about five years, and during that five years, I didn't run, although other chairs have, but uh, I usually just took care of the business end of uh, the party. So, so once in a while, it's your turn. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had to, like, beg someone else to run for the most part. I mean, I was like, it's a, a job that you do and you do not get paid. Right. So and and you and it's unrewarding in other ways, and we we need to get to those ways. I mean, ways in which you know you don't get to uh, participate in debates and stuff like that. So, um, Linda Louise uh, Lacoste, this is not your first rodeo of this kind either, because I know because you've been in here before. I would like to say, by the way, that you make yourself more at home than anybody I've ever seen in this studio. She's got all of her stuff with her. She's got a basket. She's kind of almost set up a little desk area here. Uh, I should also say that almost everybody here has brought, like, campaign, like, swag, like bumper stickers and cards. And what are these? Are we little candies here or something yes, like that? Red, yeah, white, and red white, and blue candies. I want to fatten and, you up, Colin. Yeah. So, uh, oh, and yeah, and it looks like uh, Gigi's uh, getting ready to pass out some palm cards or something there, too. Uh, so what are the things we haven't done? So, Wolfie, do we have, like, the basic theme available before I go? So so, uh, once again, apologies for the title of this. It's just something we picked nine years ago. We'd probably do it differently now. But we started out with this basic theme song. One, two, three, four. Get to know your fringe candidate. So we, and we do, the name notwithstanding, I think it really is important for people to know that there are people running, people who are running without the assistance of these major parties that have an uh, incredible ability to push. So, uh, so Linda, what about that? that? I mean, you... I suppose you could have sought the nomination of one of the two major parties. Um, are you doing this because you'd rather do it this way or because it's so hard to get the nomination of one of the major parties? Well, the town committees, whether it's R or D, run for me like the devil from holy water. They're the same coin with two different sides. And the Republican town committee had invited me to be part of their game uh, in 2014. 
And once I recognized how they, uh, the machinations of that organization, I asked questions, and they couldn't get rid of me fast enough. So since 2014 until this present moment, my only way that I could run would be by petitioning. Mm -hmm. And uh, year by year, the first time I ran, it was about 5% of the vote. The second time, about 8% of the vote. So each time I run, more people, one by one, get to know the shenanigans that are going on. And with the climate of what's going on presently with the uh, major parties, uh, the unaffiliated, the petitioning candidate, the Green Party, the Libertarian, you call these folks fringe. I call them uh, hardworking people who really do care, and I call the two major parties the spoilers. We call them fringe like Surrey with the fringe on top, like a really nice, you know, a little sort of decorative touch. So um, Thank you. So, <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> so, so, Tom, so the district you're in is notor notoriously non-competitive. I mean, uh, it, it, the, the first and the third congressional districts in Connecticut are locked up pretty tight for Larson and Deloro. They're going to be there probably as long as they want to, as long as they remember to put, put their name on the form at the beginning. So you're taking a race that's not that competitive, maybe making it a little bit more interesting. Is it important to you specifically that you're running as a Green, or, or is that just the party that's available to you to do this in? Um, as it turned out, it was the party that was available. I knew the party chair back from the electrical restructuring fight and more recently from trying to stop the corporate subsidization of Dominion's um, continued operations at Millstone. Mm -hmm. So I knew Mike DeRose, the party chair, and had been on his radio show at WWUH uh, discussing um, electrical power issues and nuclear power several times. Um, obviously, Larson, to go against Larson or primary would not happen. And I like to say, we talked about fringe candidates. I have, I'm amazed to find out that I'm not talking about fringe issues. Mm -hmm. I've not been knocking on doors, but I've been walking into businesses all over East Hartford, Glastonbury, Bristol, New Hartford, just walking in and saying, hi, here's my card. This is what I stand for. And it's an amazing reception. Um, Abolition for nu nuclear weapons is on my card that I handed you. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe ban the bomb was, you know, real old 50s stuff, you mm -hmm. know, old radical 60s stuff. But overwhelmingly, people are... There's a new concern about nuclear weapons with North Korea, with Israel having being a nuclear rogue state threatening Iran. Um, what happened when Hawaii went on a, a nuclear alert? What if we were in a confrontation with China over Formosa and that happened? And we have first strike nuclear subs out in the Pacific Ocean. And China's getting worried. Well, what yeah, will happen? Believe me, these days, that whole idea of a nuclear arsenal uh, ready to be activated is a little scarier than it's been for quite a long time. So uh, maybe you've come along with that message at just the right moment. Uh, so do you prefer Giselle or Gigi? Gigi. Okay, so Gigi, you're, you're in a different position, really, than these other th three candidates in the sense that in your district, you are the only alternative, the way I understand it anyway, on the ballot to the nominee. You had to petition your way on by collecting signatures. Yes. So maybe just first of all, talk about the difficulty of doing that. How hard was it to get those signatures? Well, uh, as a result of the last general election, I didn't have to get an, a tremendous amount uh, of signatures. Mm -hmm. So it was a piece of cake. I could have done it on a lunch break. When you However, say that, be because people were unhappy with the results of the last election, is that what you mean? No, not so much that. It's just that you only have to get 1% <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to become a petitioning candidate. However, um, once I became aware of what was necessary and how many signatures were needed in order to... Uh, be on the primary, 
we hustled our butt for the next, you know, for a period of six days. We knocked on 450 doors. We, well, we actually knocked on more than that, but we got uh, 450 signatures because we were required to have 381. And I need to say, like, uh, I ended up in court over the summer because of individuals' names who were removed from or disqualified uh, uh, signatures. One of the guy's signatures who was disqualified, as a matter of fact, was a veteran such as myself, lived right in my backyard with his elderly mom. He was qualified as a uh, circulator and then disqualified from signing my, <laughs> from signing my petition sheet. So it's, it's, I've, I've run into all types of uh, challenges as it relates. I've been told, um, you know, uh, you know, when, 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 when I've already shown through, uh, past experiences as it relates to this political arena that I can't be bought. I didn't take the money. Um, I'm unafraid. I like to say in the spirit of Shirley Chisholm, I'm unbought and unbossed. <laughs> so make sure you stay really close to that mic because mm -hmm. you'll, you'll get an off mic there. The, Richard, this is something that you were kind of getting at uh, in some of your earlier remarks. We talk about a process where it really should be possible. I mean, the ideal American notion, I think, is that anybody who thinks that they could do a good job, anybody who thinks that they could do a better job than the person currently doing the job, ought to be able to take a crack at that. But Gigi's um, describing a system where, like that signature process that you've described, too, there are, there's a lot working against you. Right. And George Washington actually believed there should not be political parties. When I first heard that, I thought, that's weird. But now I realize why. It would make everyone have to run as an independent and and the playing field will be flat, basically, for everyone. There's reason why um, it's harder to get on uh, to petition to get on the um, major parties. They have a small club of people who pick who they're going to run. Mm -hmm. And if you can break in and, and get on the ballot as a Democrat in this state, you're almost guaranteed to win. Um, Republican, you have a chance more so in places like Sinsbury and stuff like that for a local election, but um, having a small group of people who can pick who is the mayor of Hartford is better than a, a big group if you're in that small group. Right. So, and, and Linda, he makes a really interesting point. What if there were no parties? And I think increasingly there is, at minimum, here in Connecticut, a, a more generalized dissatisfaction than I've seen in a while, at least with the way that the parties function. At the end of the past two state conventions in May, the Republicans and the Democrats had their statewide conventions. And I'm sorry, it's Linda Louise. Um, the, um, I heard a lot of people, I think even Chris Murphy might have said, you know, Maybe we just shouldn't even do these conventions. And, and so maybe there is sort of a feeling that this process that we have doesn't necessarily give us the best candidates. There's a long road to go between that and the kind of wide, out, wide open process that Richard's talking about. But I assume you favor something like that, where somebody like you would be on closer to equal footing with your opponents. Well, like I, like Gigi, had to petition. I don't know if you were under that impression that I didn't have to collect no, no, signatures. No, no, no. I, I knew oh, okay. that. Yeah. But like George Washington Carver, he said, be clean both inside and out. The p parties right now are incestuous. It is a private club. Uh, Carver also said, neither look up to the rich nor down to the poor. He said, lose if need be without squealing. 
win without bragging, always be considerate of women, children, and the elderly, be too brave to lie, and be too generous to cheat. And last but not least, take your share of the world and let others take their share. So the long and the short of it is, if we people, we fringe, as you call us, the, the decorative piece on the carriage, mm -hmm. if we don't continue to be the voice for the voiceless, then these other incestuous establishment people will just continue to ride this wave and the rest of the people will not be heard. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. So. All right, it's a good story, <laughs> Linda Louise. We're going to take a quick break here. Uh, we've got a group of people who are running as non-traditional candidates or with non-majority parties. Uh, we'll tell you more about them when we come back. Are you rolling on this, Patrick? Okay, I said get to know your fringe <laughs> candidates. Crazy ass fringe candidates. This is a very hard group to control. The minute you give them any free time, they start jumping up and down and passing out camping <laughs> literature to each other. I don't think, uh, I don't know how much opportunity anybody is going to get to vote for anybody else. Although uh, Richard Lyon could be voted for by uh, anybody who's voting in this election. He's running statewide for U.S. Senate against Chris Murphy and Republican challenger Matthew Corey. Tom McCormick, a Green Party candidate for U.S. Rep. He's in the first district, so I guessed... Uh, he's running against John Lester. And I guess probably Gigi Jacobs could conceivably uh, vote uh, for Tom McCormick because she's a petitioning candidate for state rep in District 7. That's in Hartford, part of the first. Uh, I'm trying to do the, all the math here. She's running against Democratic incumbent uh, Joshua Hall. Uh, Linda Louise Lacasse, a petitioning candidate for state rep in the District 52, which is Summers and Stafford Springs, running against the incumbent, a Republican Kurt Vail, and the Democratic challenger David Walsh. So um, Tom... Uh, you, we were just talking about something during the break. And so Bill Curry, the font of all political wisdom here in Connecticut, uh, likes to say that there's two parties. We have a two-party system, incumbents and challengers. Um, and, and one thing that I've learned from doing this particular show, these uh, Get to Know Your Fringe Candidates shows, is that there's sort of a third party too, which is the group of people who are almost – not allowed to even participate in the world of the challengers. And that there's a lot of bonding that goes on there. I, I, we've done the show in the past. We'll have people from the Independent Party, from the old Connecticut for Lieberman uh, Party, from Green Party. And it turns out they've gotten to know each other on the trail. They like each other better than they like any of the major party candidates because they understand what an uphill climb this is. You were saying that you know, you're a green, Richard's a libertarian. You ought to disagree more than you agree, but you know, the stuff that's on Richard's card is not too far from what you believe. No, absolutely not. Um, let's look at Richard's card. Cut military spending 75%. Green Party says cut it 50%. We're absolutely for withdrawing from NATO because NATO, um, European Union is stronger than Russia and has not, doesn't need the United States' help. Mm -hmm. I don't care to parrot Trump. But the European Union does not need U.S. dollars for its defense. Um, Green parties for closing all foreign bases, bringing the troops home, and going to a continental defense, which would mean strengthening the National Guard units. Um, Richard has legalized marijuana. Well, I'm sort of for that, but I say decriminalize marijuana because marijuana laws came into being based on a racist principle and racist ideas against blacks and Mexicans. It's racist in its intent, in its foundation, and it simply should be considered illegitimate, void, and should be resisted. So I don't think we need to legalize. We just need to decriminalize. All right. I can jump from there over to Gigi for a second because I can actually probably get three of you on the same page. I'm not sure about Linda Louise. Over-incarceration. Give me that one. 
I mean, give me that one as sort of a policy for you. You're, you're concerned that we lock too many people up. Talk more Absolutely. about that. Absolutely. The disparities as it relates to uh, over-incarceration. We have more black and Latino men locked up today than we had enslaved in 1853, you know, and, and, and that needs to change. It needs to change. We, you know. Um, so I'm guessing, let's see how much consensus we can get. Tom, yes. you are nodding during that, right? Absolutely. I was just talking to a, a probation officer last week, and he says one of the most outrageous things that's going on in our justice system, people are arrested, and they end up s sitting in jail for six to eight weeks, pre-trial detention, waiting to get tried. They get before a judge. The charge gets nollied. In the meantime, they've lost their job, lost their apartment, and a whole lot of them have lost their girlfriend on top of it. Right. The bail system <laughs> is a whole separate problem. So, uh, Richard, I don't know your position on this, but it makes sense that a libertarian, first of all, doesn't like spending more money than is necessary on a prison system that tends to be very expensive. Last time I checked, Department of Corrections had the largest staff of any department in Connecticut. That might have changed since the last time I looked. So uh, how, does that, how does that issue work for you? Well, more than a financial situation, that's secondary. It's the human rights violation. Our whole drug laws is a human rights violation. And the Democrats, or black people, notoriously are tricked, I guess, into voting Democrat. But it was Bill Clinton who passed three strikes throughout, which doubled our prison population. And mostly it was black people. And with the war on drugs, they basically threw out the Fourth Amendment because the Fourth Amendment says you can't be searched unless they get a search warrant. And then to get a search warrant, they need probable cause and they need to swear under oath in front of a judge that they have probable cause. Now they just say, oh, just the probable cause is enough. Then the cops can just throw in a bag of weed, especially on a black kid, and throw them in jail. And it's a lot easier for the kid to plead guilty than fight it and get you know, a small sentence rather than fight it and get a big sentence, a big, you know. So, Linda Louise, I don't know. I don't know your politics well enough to know where you are on this one. Is this an issue for you? Indeed it is. There's an old saying, if the fish stinks, it starts at the head. And we've got some stinky people at the head of the um, authority in our system here. Long and short of it is, Summers has a prison. That's where I live. Right. And a third of the prisoners allegedly have been... Um, excommunicated to their respective countries. Uh, we don't get the pilot money that we used to, but the state is controlling this valuable land that we could use for the elderly and elderly housing, which desperately needs to be done in Summers because the elderly created Summers and made Summers what it is. And because of the tax, property tax, they're being booted out and it's just horrific, or their homes are being um, put up for auction because they can't afford the property tax. It's disgraceful. So yes, indeed, I'm totally against um, imprisoning people for made-up uh, reasons, just like I don't like being treated like a pariah because I speak truth. Um, we, sh <laughs> we should say, Gigi, not only is this a position for you, but it's a reality you live. You uh, make a point of employing previously incarcerated people? Yes. Yes, Colin, I do. I, um, I, you know, prior to starting uh, Sister Soldier Environmental Services Construction Commercial uh, Residential Cleaning Company, I uh, volunteered in the community and helped children who have a parent incarcerated, and it's such evolved to a 501c3. We don't receive any city or state monies, so we don't get told what to do. Um, however, um, you know, we found that those parents were returning home and unable to find work unable to find employment, you know, and um, so we were the, uh, uh, the initial second chance uh, uh, individuals. And it was, you know, we believe that, um, that, that, you know, it has to start 
in-house. What I mean by that is that we have to be our own uh, superman and superwoman. We have to show up for one another as opposed to looking outside of ourselves, outside of our communities for the solutions of the problems that lie within. Um, I was just a regular old person on food stamps, uh, you know, actually homeless, you know, looking to uh, be a part of the solution. And, 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 and we've evolved. We're no longer, I'm no longer homeless. I'm a homeowner. I'm no longer unemployed. I'm, I'm now the employer. Uh, my office that's located on Farmington Avenue is a block away from the homeless shelter I lived in, Saramundi Shelter, and a block away from the high school I graduated from where I was a teenage mom and, you know, in my own apartment and working part-time by the time I became a senior. And I share that because it's so important, especially those of us who come from my community and, 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 and get to a place where God has blessed us overwhelmingly, that we don't take our blessings and gifts and heads for the hills. It's so important that we stay and be a, a light but others can see that they, too, can become business owners. Mm. They, too, can come out of homelessness. Matter of fact, I think we registered everyone in the homeless shelter on Coventry Street. They may not still be living there, but we <laughs> registered them. So this is one of the more inspiring political speeches, maybe the most inspiring political speech I've heard in the 2018 campaign season. And it's coming from somebody who had to get signatures to get on the ballot. Think uh, about that. So let me ask you this. I mean, in a way... You kind of preempted the question that I was going to ask. I'm going to have to ask it a different way. But, but Richard, I think there's a feeling among, uh, among people watching our political process unfold that it's more characterized by its divisions than by its capacity for cooperation. That when you and I were younger, committees of correspondence were a little bit more common where, in fact, you know, people in Washington would get together uh, from from two parties, work out compromises, work out compromises between the House and Senate, particularly on those occasions in history when one chamber was Republican, the other one was Democrat. Uh, I, I feel like that's not happening anymore. Uh, if you were our U.S. Senator, what would you do about that? I don't know if I can fix that, actually. <laughs> but I, I did want to make one more comment about sure. these prisons. Every prison I know of has not that I've been in any, but uh, they have a medical facility mm -hmm. uh, for the prisoners. And I believe let the people out who did not commit a crime where there was a victim. Mm -hmm. And you already got medical people working there. Let regular people just walk in and get some free medical care. We've already got the infrastructure. All right. Well, so uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to Tom for a second. Uh, so, Tom, it's your first day in Congress, or maybe it's your second week in Congress. You've gotten elected. Richard's gotten elected to the Senate. Uh, you're going to pick up the phone and call Richard. What do you What do you want to talk to him about? Over incarceration, we've already discuss, discussed. Would you Would you be wanting to work with, say, a, somebody like Richard on one of the other issues that you guys care about? Um, absolutely. And I want to tell you, the citizens of the first district elect me to Congress, I'll set my desk up out in the hallway between the Republican and the Democratic caucus, which I hope they're evenly split, and say, guys, if you want my vote, you're going to cooperate, you're going to reach consensus, or you're, neither of you are getting my vote. Um, it's very simple. Like Social Security is a big issue in this country, and the Republicans and the Democrats can't work together. There's been proposals in the past. If Republicans propose it, the Democrats are against it. If the Democrats propose, the Republicans are against it. Here's an example. Um, back in the Bush administration, there was a proposal to move some of the Social Security trust fund into equity so that trust fund could actually grow. No wealth advisor tells you to put your long-term trust funds in T-bills, some for tomorrow's spending, but Social Security trust fund is not about just tomorrow's spending. It's for spending over decades. 
So money should be in the, the trust fund, should be in equities. But since a Republican suggested it, the Democrats are against it. And that has to stop. Right. Um, so uh, how about this, Linda Louise? That, it's another problem also. It's up there at the state capitol right now. If you were to win this seat, um, first of all, would you want a caucus with one party or the other? Would you be like Tom just setting up your office out in the hall and saying, if you want to work with me, make a pitch? Or how would you, how would you handle your position in between these two parties? Well, I agree with Tom. I'd be a bridge builder if that's what he meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the long and the short of it is um, you don't need to um, climb in the mud with the rest of the pigs. I don't know who said that, but I just don't want... <laughs> but but I, know I, it's, I know it's an aphorism because you've got a <laughs> lot of them. <laughs> but, you know, uh, either one of us need to be available and approachable and accountable, whether it's to our colleagues in the legislative office building or to the people that we represent. So it's imperative with this social media that we can continue the conversation and we could be on social media every single day sharing with our constituents what's actually going on and not having these conversations behind locked doors as it is. How would you break the ice? How would you get to know... John Kissel. The way I got to know the chairman of the Green Party. I had him over my house for dinner, um, the gentleman that has the radio station, and then New Year's Eve, I invited him over. I had them spend the night. You invited Mike for dinner? Indeed. Indeed, I did, and had them spend the night on New Year's Eve. And uh, we became bridge builders. And so I have great respect for the Green Party. There's a few things why I can't join either the Green or the Libertarian. So I believe being a voice of reason and not having the party um, in control of me, as with Gigi, uh, she doesn't have a boss that uh, is telling her what to do or what to believe in. My accountability is to the people, and my fellow colleagues would have to realize that they have to uh, respect the people's voice. And if I, that's the only voice you hear day in and day out, it's got to catch on. Right, folks? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so. So, Gigi, you've been around this process a little bit now. <coughs> Have you got to know any of, the, any of the elected officials, some of the people who would be your colleagues if you won? Absolutely. And I, I was just sharing. I was a, a, a keynote speaker on Monday night. <laughs> oh, that's right. You were at UConn, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was at UConn speaking for the Zeta Phi Beta uh, sorority. And um, and I shared with them a conversation I had, as a matter of fact, with um, he's our past senator. He's now a judge. But I remember calling him at 730 in the morning on a Saturday morning. And I went and I asked him, you know, this was shortly after I. Uh, was nominated to receive the Sojourner Truth Award from Capital Community College. And I researched her. I had heard about her, but I researched her. I was like, dang, she was a, a strong black woman. You're talking about Eric Coleman eight. now. The I'm talking about, yep, yeah, you said it. I conversation didn't, with Eric Coleman. Mm-hmm. Okay. But anyways, I called him at, on a Saturday morning at 7th, and I said, Senator Coleman, what's going on that it seems like our leaders had more courage in the 1800s than what they do now? You know, like, um, it seems as though... Everyone knows what the solutions is. You hear, you know, our, our, our leaders, they'll come into, you know, especially when they have those uh, political events, you know, and uh, uh, town hall meetings. And, you know, and you'll see, you know, uh, State Rep uh, McCory at the time and, 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 and even, you know, Senator Murphy and, and, and Senator Blumenthal. You know, they'll all show up, especially if it's a, a, a stand down at the VA. You know, they all show up. Mm-hmm. I got pictures with all of them just this last month. How is it that. 
the solution can be right in front of us. You know, prior to my moving back here, I stayed in Boston for a short period of time. I worked on Governor Devel, then Governor Devel Patrick's campaign, which is where I became most excited about being involved in politics. And when I think about the 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 changes that are happening just with our next door neighbors mass is right there we're right here new york is right there and we seem to be trailing behind. But it's really true. We don't have the Ocasio-Cortez um, kind of movement here. We don't have the kind of disruptive uh, movement. We're, we're better behaved. We're a little bit more docile. We've got to take a little break here. I know you guys all have lots of things to say. So we've got one more segment in which to do it. You'll, I'll reintroduce uh, our non-traditional candidates when we get back. <laughs> Get to know the candidates on the fringe. Everything they do is bound to impinge. They make a lot of noise like a squeaky hinge. Everything they represent, it's got kind of a tinge. Maybe they're nosy and maybe they're pissed. Today's show was produced by Betsy Kaplan from the Resting Bitch Face Party and by me, Kion Wolf. You might say I'm from the Green Party, just not the one you're familiar with. Amanda Fish is from the Pool Party, and Panina Beattie is running as a write-in candidate for Intern. The part of Bill Curry was played by H. Ross Perot. On tomorrow's show, the story of the Osage murders. And now, back to Colin. Yes, we are back. We're back uh, to do the final segment uh, of our second uh, installment in this campaign season of a program that we've been doing for a really long time now called Get to Know Your Fringe Candidates. Uh, with us right now is uh, Richard Lyon, Libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate, running against Chris Murphy and Republican challenger Matthew Corey. Tom McCormick, Green Party candidate for U.S. Rep, running against the, the incumbent John Larson and Republican challenger Jennifer Nye. Uh, Giselle Gigi Jacobs, petitioning candidate for state rep in District 7, running Running against the Democratic incumbent Joshua Hall, no Republican can, can contender there, and Linda Louise Lacasse, uh, petitioning candidate for state rep in District 52, Summers and Stafford Springs. She's running against Republican incumbent Kurt Vale and Democratic challenger David Walsh. So I want to just sort of build a little bit on something that Gigi was saying right at the end of that last segment. Um, you know, Richard, we've seen uh, disruption going on in the political system, particularly uh, here in 2018. Uh, just that, that kind of sense that within the parties, you're seeing some pretty aggressive primaries, seats that could be taken for granted in places like Massachusetts and New York uh, turn out to be up for grabs. Uh, younger, less conventional candidates have been able to upset longtime incumbents. There's something about Connecticut, though, that doesn't like really I can name to you. the. I think there's one incumbent Democrat that I can think of, Andy Fleischman, a longtime state rep, my longtime state rep, who lost his seat in the primary season. I can't actually even think of another incumbent anywhere in the 187-member <laughs> General Assembly to say nothing of the kinds of things that you're taking shots at, like U.S. Senate, uh, to be rattled or disturbed. Why? What's going on here? I mean, what do you, what do you make of that? I don't know. It is actually hard to get people to even listen. I mean, they're, I, apparently they're the descendants of pilgrims in this state, and uh, <laughs> um, they, they have their old ways of doing and thinking about it. You can just show somebody facts on something and they will instantly close their eyes if they don't like the outcome. I mean, it's like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. You know, I'm, I mean, no, Linda Louise gets to say stuff like that. You don't. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on her. 
her uh, genre there. I love yeah. it. Yeah. But you're saying, I mean, there is this notion, I mean, we were famously called the land of steady habits. It's a, uh, a moniker that goes back to at least the 1700s uh, about Connecticut. We've always been known for that, and there's a way in which we, we don't like change. So, uh, Linda Louise, I bet you're, you're encountering that to a certain degree, too. In, in a way, the first overtures that you made to both the Republican and Democratic parties up in your part of the state, uh, it sounded like they just they, they didn't want anybody as different as you are? Well, you know, to piggyback on my uh, companion here, Mr. Lyons, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And that is the uh, ancestral mantra. I mean, people will just stick with people because of a title rather than investigate and do some archaeology and really find out where truth ends and begins. So, yes, at the end of the day, someone like me, like Gigi said, off the break, or I don't know if she said it online here, is they're fearful of people like us because we are like the founding fathers. We are like Lincoln. Lincoln never quit. He kept running and running and running and losing and losing and losing, allegedly, until he got the presidency. The only glitch is he got assassinated. So at least we'll die for something, right, folks? That's right. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we need to know where we stand firmly and let other people recognize that we're willing to be palmated with insults, with tomatoes, with whatever, and we're not moving. Mm -hmm. This is so exciting, Gigi. Don't give up. Um, don't. You know, Mr. Lyons is another example of not giving up. I don't know what Tom's history is, mm -hmm. but this is my fifth election. And next time around, I'll be running for first select woman. And next time around, I'll be running for state rep. I'm not giving up. Right. And I'm a 62-year-old woman. You wouldn't know by my beautiful features and health <laughs> and wellness. But I have 10 more years to run. Mm -hmm. And how long does it take for people to discover where truth mm -hmm. begins and ends? And Candace Owen, what an articulate, beautiful woman and Kanye West. Whether you believe in these people or where they stand, praise God that they have a voice that they can voice for people who don't have the courage to voice those same opinions. So, you know, at the end of the day, there are people that stand by our side, and those, and also there's a classic movie, The uh, Twelve Angry Men, mm -hmm. and the one person that said no. So I always Henry like to hang Yes, I always like to hang out with the person that says no, because there has to be some takeaway. There has to be some some common ground where we both can take uh, leave the forum as friends. We may differ with one another, but at the end of the day, we can at least understand one another. What's wrong with that? Kanye, Kanye right was maybe the ultimate fringe candidate. Uh, <coughs> so uh, he's not even a candidate. But so Tom, some of this has to do about money, particularly the level of federal office. We got the Clean Elections uh, Program or Citizens Election Program here in the state of Connecticut. We can we were this morning discussing how that can kind of go off the rails a little bit sometimes. But at the federal level, because of Citizens United, there's it's almost impossible to regulate money. I assume some of the conversation that we're having right now about whether you get a chance or not has to do with money. Um, absolutely. We have to realize that not just in the United States, Connecticut, but in the whole world, we're moving towards corporate control of our democracies and of our governments. Um, let's just look at John Larson. I say um, people give money to candidates because they support the positions, their positions. And you don't give money to people unless that person is for you. I think that's pretty basic. Um, back in 2008, 2009, the financial institutions almost pushed us into a depression. They were bailed out with tens of tens of billions of dollars. Well, guess who's giving money to John Larson, Prudential Financials, and other financial institutions? Um, I'm for universal health care. I say 
health care, not insurance care. I'm forgetting rid of the insurance companies, throwing them out of the health care situation altogether because they're sucking up 25% of all health care dollars, go to the insurance companies and the cost of the medical establishment dealing with the insurance companies. John Larson is getting his money from the insurance companies. I say freeze the F-35 program which um, is grounded right now because of defective engines and hundreds and hundreds of def defects, and John Larson is taking money from UTC and Lockheed. Um, so money talks, and increasingly we don't have a system of one person, one vote. We have a system of one dollar, one vote. Yes, that's right. Okay, Gigi, talk a little bit about uh, money when you're trying to run uh, a petitioning candidacy uh, in a city district. First of all, did you try to qualify for a citizen selection program? Uh, I have. Yeah. And, and what was that? What was involved? What did you have to do? <laughs> Beg, <laughs> plead, and yeah. borrow. Okay, but, so get specific. Um, well, specific, I'm from the north end of Hartford. Yeah. You know, we don't have any money. Right. So um, although we attempted to, uh, um, you know, qualify, it's okay have, that you, we didn't. What did you have to raise? $7,500? What did you have to raise to get on the, uh, no, get we the CB? $5,000. Yeah. Yes, along with the signatures. Yeah. So, yeah. But there isn't $5,000 in campaign contributions sitting around in poor neighborhoods. That's what you're saying. It's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult. You know, I even, you know, because I, I'm, I believe in, you know, I'm on social media. And I said, wow, if just, if all of my social media friends were to give me $1, <laughs> we'd have it. <laughs> you know, and. You know, so I don't take it personally. Um, matter of fact, my campaign slogan has been and will always be principles before politics. You know, so uh, yes, it would be it would have been nice to have had some money, especially with my signs being taken down every other day. Oh, that happens mm -hmm. too. Oh yeah. yeah, all goodness. of you. All of you. Everybody's, oh having, yes. Yes. Everybody's having their. Of course, the sign says lion on it. I can see why some kid might want that, too. Yeah, well, also, I happen to say legalized marijuana. So <laughs> oh, yeah. when I ran for mayor of Hartford, they would yeah. not right. stay anywhere near Trinity College. They were gone instantly. Yeah, but some so. don't say that, and they still get tore down. Right. The ones that say Richard Lyon legalized marijuana, every single one of those is some, in some 14-year-old kid's yeah. bedroom right yeah, now. Yeah, well, they, they end up in the dorms, in the dorm rooms at Trinity a lot mm -hmm. um, on the walls there. I believe I've resolved that. I have four-by-eight banners that I got from Vistaprint, mm -hmm. yeah. and they're on a, a particle board, as Richard can testify, with big metal sticks, and they're all stapled on. And at the end of the election, I just roll them up very neatly, mm -hmm. wash them down, and I've got them for the next campaign. So mm -hmm. the way I treat money, every $5, you can't give a minimum of $1, by the way. It has to be a minimum of $5. Right, so you'd a, have to analogy. collect five. I was just, yeah, you'd uh, have to collect mm -hmm. five of your social right. media friends and mm -hmm. have them pitch in and, right. and, and volunteer the name. Mm -hmm. yeah. But at the end of the day, yes, I too have been plagued with uh, the, the issue with sign stealing. And it's a federal offense, mm -hmm. by the way. So you can um, resolve that by getting a, a $60 camera from Carbellas, a dare camera. Mm -hmm. And once you catch them red-handed, prosecute to the uh, that's the only one I want to go to prison. I was going to say, <laughs> you don't want to send more people to prison. We just decided we had, all the, four the, of you don't want to send more people to prison. The sign stealers must go or, go or, or well, refurbish. If there's a victim. <laughs> there's a crime. If there's no victim, there's no crime. Okay. Precisely. So let me just ask you one thing before we run out of time. Did any of you get to be at a debate? Oh, Anybody? yes. You I did? had two. Two? Mm -hmm. With the major party candidates? I, well, the the uh, the incumbent, he told the Democrat he wasn't going to be in the debate if I was in it. 
and the Democrat had already voted, had already asked me, and, you know, precisely, the I'm supposed to be the one that takes the votes away from the incumbent so that the Democrat could win. So there is an MO. I'm sure as hot as, you know, as pure as it possibly can be, but he wants to have some sort of benefit. Mm -hmm. And so the second debate, uh, young people were a part of the equation, you know, being timers and creating the questions and so on and so forth. So when the incumbent didn't walk in, we still had his timer there, mm -hmm. hoping against hope that he would show up. And he didn't show up. And it was an amazing debate between myself and the Democrat. Well, that's good. Uh, just, before we, just before we yes. run out of time, Gigi, you're the only opponent of this guy. Has he debated you? We, he has not debated me, although we were invited to the forum at the Hartford Public Library, from, mm. and he did not show for that. Yeah. Um, you that was know, like a candidate forum of some kind? There was a candidate forum where we did, you know, the introduction yeah, and yeah. then, you know, we did the uh, the speed dating. But, uh, yeah. yeah. No. So, uh, Richard, debate? Uh, did you see the debate on with Dennis House there or on uh, uh, on his show? I, I, I was there as the invisible mute man. <laughs> um, I never I, miss anything that two, Dennis House does, two so years, I didn't see you. Two yeah. years Two years ago, I, I asked to go in the debate because I was running for Senate against Blumenthal, and they said not only was I not welcome in the debate, I'm not welcome in the building. Right. Ooh. Ooh. So, um, Tom, uh, Larson has no incentive to debate you. I'm guessing he didn't. Uh, but Jennifer Nye is basically in the same position you are, hitting uh, way off the back tees. So what did you guys do? Jennifer and I have both sent a press release to all the major media outlets and other organizations that have hosted debates, like the governor's debate, requesting they set up a debate and there's no interest whatsoever. Um, we have been at some senior forums together, mm -hmm. Jennifer, myself, and John Larson, and we did West Indian Social Club, and that's been about it. I think you're absolutely right. He has no incentive to debate because he cannot stand on his health care issues. He cannot stand on his tens of billions of dollars of spending for nuclear weapons. He can't stand on the debt issue, nor can he stand on renewable energy because he's taken money from T-Bone Pitkins, the oil and gas man, to promote natural gas use. Right. Okay, we have to stop here. I think this has been a great conversation, and I'm so glad you guys are in here. I'm proud to be one of the people giving you guys mics to talk to and to. There's just not en enough of it. It needs to be a much, much more of a, a free-for-all out there. Richard Lyon, Libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate. Tom McCormick, Green Party candidate for U.S. Rep. And the first, Giselle Gigi Jacobs, petitioning for state rep in uh, District 7 in Hartford. And Linda w Louise Lacasse, petitioning candidate in the 52nd in Summers and Stafford Springs. Thanks so much to all of you. Thanks to Betsy Kaplan for getting this all organized. I've never seen so much campaign literature in this studio in my life. Third. November third is a meet and greet for all the candidates, and Richard Lyon and Dan Real will be there. So, all right. Colin, you are invited. Oh, I love Betsy to be invited. I love a nice meet and greet. <laughs> all right, and thanks. Okay. Hi. <laughs>